The Vikings are a little different these days, John. Uh, Quasi Odofo Mensa was talking about uh, draft hit, drafting the first round. It's a, a long, not only is it a long day, it's a culmination of months and months of uh, uh, their staff working incredible hours and vetting every prospect in the country. And we're used, let's be honest, we're used to Bud Grant. We're used to Mike Zimmer. We're used to the kind of the gruff old football kind. And Quezzy's up there and he's talking about, you know, taking Jordan Addison. He said, and somebody said, Hey, you're going to be burning the midnight oil today. And he goes, I think, you know, I'm, I think it's time to go home and sit in the sauna and just thought, <laughs> my, let things relax. And I'm just trying to imagine any other Vikings coach in history saying that. Yeah, it, it definitely um, a new day around here. That's for sure. Um, I I find it a little refreshing. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of nice to to hear some guys who say, "Yeah, I want to do get away for for a minute, and I want and I need to to kind of unplug and I need to to reset." And guess what? They have all day today before the second round uh, begins tonight, and so we're, as we're recording this on a Friday morning, and so maybe. Um, you can benefit a little bit from a little bit of a mental reset instead of, uh, you know, just completely obsessing over it. If you've put the work in early, uh, you prepare yourself. And so you're in good, in good position for today. So I kind of liked it. So I do too. It sounds like a sports writer. I can relate, (laughs) you know? Yes. Just looking for the free food somewhere. Exactly. And, and actually we had good free food at the draft on Thursday night. So thank you to the Vikings for that. Uh, this is the Viking update show. He's John Krasinski from the athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the star tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer. Best way to listen to this show or any show on the network. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. You can follow us on Twitter. If you're still using Twitter, talk North pod. Uh, and you can always just go to talknorth.com, find all the shows, all the archives of the shows. We have two prime, prime, uh, Viking shows, this one and Jeff diamonds, Vikings and NFL insider. Jeff, of course, provides the former general manager perspective. John and I have been both. We probably covered the Vikings for a combined 50 years or something. So we're giving you the writers and the experienced view of the Vikings. The Vikings do take Jordan Addison. Uh, I'm not, shocked i'm mildly surprised they went receiver instead of cornerback when there's a good cornerback sitting right there but really when you listen to o'connell talk when you listen to quezzy talk when you think about how the rams won the super bowl when o'connell was their 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 offensive coordinator they really like having three wide receiver threats uh to spread teams out to open up defenses to to scheme people to death and now they have addison justin jefferson and KJ Osborne plus a, an excellent receiving tight end and TJ Hawkinson. Uh, O'Connell sounded thrilled by that last night. Yeah, I mean, I certainly for for an offensive minded head coach to get another weapon like that, and I do think it was needed. I don't think um, it's just because Adam Thielen left, uh, but you you do you did get a sense that looking at this receiver core, even last year when Thielen was on the team, that they could use another playmaker, that they needed someone else to make the defense pay when they are going to load up on Justin Jefferson. And I do think that as you saw the season progress last year, you saw opposing defenses just throw everything they had at number 18 and say, we're going to make everyone else beat us. And I don't know that the Vikings were really equipped in the passing game outside of Hawkinson to, to, to really take advantage of that. So you bring in Addison, you get a really good route runner, you get an accomplished receiver who can play both inside and outside. Um, and you really just bring another dynamic element to the offense, especially when you're considering Jim that they're, 
uh, you know, ideally going to pay Justin Jefferson a lot of money very soon here. And so if you're going to invest that heavily in um, in your receiver, you want a really good quarterback with them. You also want other people around him so you can use him to the best of his abilities and it's not easy for, to take him away. And so they went out and got Addison. And I think that um, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see if he's you know a guy who really develops into a high-quality player. We'll see if he's more of a La- Laquan Treadwell or somebody who's receivers who have been taken down in that area and, and, and doesn't pan out. But what it tells us is that I think that they just in their in their evaluation process saw Addison as being able to or or being capable of making a bigger impact on the offense than Deontay Banks was able to would be able to make a bigger impact on the defense. Were they right? We'll find out in the long run. But uh, there certainly was a lot of logic to picking Addison um, beyond just uh, the shiny toy that a receiver represents. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studios. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services. Thanks also TSR Injury Law and Star Bank. The other thing I liked is O'Connell's standing up there talking about, and somebody asked him a question. It was kind of about schematics and and game planning and a smaller receiver. I mean, Jordan Addison is basically my size, uh, which is not a nice thing to say about an NFL player. And, you know, when you have a smaller receiver, what you worry about is can they get off press coverage? Can they beat tight man-to-man at the line of scrimmage. And when somebody asked O'Connell that, I mean, you could tell that he's already, he already knows the answer. I mean, he knows <laughs> exactly how he's, whether it's bunching receivers, whether it's motion, whether it's, uh, you know, basically your, your, your hidden pick play, which every NFL team play works. He, he already has the answer. He already knows how he wants to use them. Now, now the pick will only be justified if Addison plays well and is highly productive and productive enough to justify a first round pick. But there's not, this is not like a a last second. Oh, Jordan Addison's there. Maybe we should maybe we should think about taking him. It was this, they they had pretty much targeted him, uh, and I think the only way they weren't going to take Jordan Addison is if a he went too high, uh, or b they had a chance to trade up and get Anthony Richardson. They didn't ha- even have a chance to think about it because Richardson ends up going number four to the Colts. Yeah, I think. Um there's there's no question that they went in that the Vikings went into this draft really considering receiver along with defense along with quarterback um so yeah i i i never got the sense that this was a Randy Moss falling to them type of a situation where it's like well we weren't planning on doing this but he is such a good player that we have to you, you just have to take the guy um, and so, but I, I do think that it does marry uh, talent and need because he was incredibly accomplished in college at Pittsburgh. He was phenomenal. Um, even at USC, he had a very productive season last year. Um, clearly has all the confidence in the world with that pink suit, with the way that he carries himself, with all of that to come in. Um, but then I, I think you look at, the way that Kevin O'Connell likes to run offense and his aptitude for taking different pieces and, and, and making the most out of them. I, I think that the chances of Addison being a bust are a little smaller 
with Kevin O'Connell and with his ability to scheme to uh, to put players in positions to succeed. Because as I said, you know, we, we were talking at the start of the show about how opposing defenses were really loading up to take away Justin Jefferson. Well, there were several games down the stretch where even with that approach, O'Connell was still able to get Jefferson really involved. There was a couple games where uh, it, you know, he was he had quieter days, but in general, he was remarkably involved all the way through from the first week to the last. And and so um, my confidence in Addison coming in here, and even if he does have uh, some weaknesses with his frame or whatever that make it a little bit more difficult for him to deal with some of the physical nature of the NFL defenses. I think O'Connell can put him in positions with motions uh, where he lines up uh, in the uh, formation, all sorts of different things to kind of minimize those weaknesses and get him in space and get him uh, be a, being able to make plays. And I think that's going to be just a really important part of this is Kevin O'Connell being able to take the talent that Addison has and then mold it to his offense and mold his offense to what Addison does best. Now we have to talk quarterbacks because quarterbacks are always the most fascinating part of the draft. Uh, Our information is that uh, the Vikings liked three quarterbacks. They weren't going to get a chance at Bryce Young. As it turned out, they had no chance at CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson was the one of the top three that at least according to speculation before the draft, had a chance of sliding enough that the Vikings could possibly put together a package to trade up to get their future quarterback. Uh, The Colts uh, made two things very clear early, that any guessing about Will Levis was complete smokescreen by any team that pretended to be interested in Will Levis. I never thought he was a first-round quarterback, and the the NFL confirmed that. Excuse me. Confirmed that on Thursday night. And the other one was that whatever qualms anybody might have had about Anthony Richardson, there's way too much talent, way too much athletic ability, way too much arm talent for him to last very long. Yeah, you know, it's uh, clearly evaluating quarterbacks especially, but the draft in particular is very tricky. And so I I don't want to... kind of berate or, or or look down on some of the mock drafts and some of the projections and things like that. But um, it, I, it feels like there is a higher chance for even for the prognosticators and, and, you know, the Kuipers and the McShays and the Dane Bruglers of the world to, uh, to get that projection wrong for quarterbacks more than anything. I think of Malik Willis last year, you know, there was a lot of talk about, is he a first rounder? Is he a second rounder? And he slid way, way down. Um, Will Levis feels like that. And Anthony Richardson feels like that a little bit. Cause all we heard going into the draft was that a lot of people were having a hard time finding a team for Anthony Richardson and that it was possible that he was going to fall and the Vikings could be in striking distance of him. If he got to the twenties, he made it, he went at four, like there was no chance that, that he was ever going to fall that far with the physical tools that he has. And, um, and the Colts made that clear, um, with Levis. I do think it feels like a little bit of wish casting, um, in, in some respects, because, um, you look at, everyone wants more quarterbacks in the first round. That's compelling. That's fun to talk about. It's, uh, you know, you, you can really like kind of 
pour over things and and get fans excited and and look at the depth charts and everything like that. But um, but it's clear that NFL talent evaluators, like with Malik Willis, looked at Will Levis and said, "Nah, that's not happening." And so, meanwhile, he's sitting there on a couch uh, in the in the green room waiting all night and uh, and didn't hear his name called. So the, now the question is, when is he going to get called if he does in the second round? So uh, just very interesting to see how sometimes I think the quarterback evaluation can maybe swing as wildly as any any position on the team. And, and Jim, I think like you heard probably like I heard, like I don't think Will Levis was ever even a consideration for the Vikings. No, like, no they had no like, interest. I just think that the, the accuracy things and and several others like the, they may have looked hard at Addison versus Banks versus several other defensive players and candidates that were on the board at that time. I don't think they even considered for a second taking Will Levis at that pick or Hendon Hooker. Or uh, Hendon I'm going to I'm going to tell you how people should do mock drafts in the future and we're going to talk about the Vikings where they stand in the division where they stand in the NFC who won big uh, but first, I do want to let you know that we're coming to the from the from the Aquarius Home Services studios, and we want to thank Aquarius Home Services. It's back. The Aquarius Home Services and Connecticut Customer Appreciation and Open House event is happening Friday, May 5th through Sunday, May 7th. Connecticut water treatment systems up to 30% off. Salt and water filters, 20% off. New heating and cooling systems up to 25% off. And bring in your water sample for a free water analysis. It's the Aquarius Connecticut Open House event, May 5th through 7th in Little Canada at 694 and 35E. Details at AquariusHomeServices.com. TSR Injury Law has been sponsoring shows around the network, including the John Krasinski Show, which is our basketball show at TalkNorth.com, for a long time. We appreciate it. We also want to let you know that we have full faith that if you were ever injured, they are the right people to call. You call 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. They will do whatever they can for you. They will point you in the right direction. If they can't help you, likely they will be able to help you because they win so many cases. They will not charge you unless they win your case, and they've won enough cases to make themselves uh, one of the great success stories in Minnesota. So just remember, 612-TSR-TIME. Uh, also want to let you know that big banks are not the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about StarBank. StarBank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family-owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at StarBank, and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be, a throwback to the good days, mobile app check, convenient services. You got it. Check out StarBank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares, starbank.net member FDIC and equal housing lender. So what happens is analysts try to predict how the draft is going to go and they they produce a mock draft based on that information. The problem with that approach is CJ Stroud goes two to the Texans after the Texans try to pretend they're going to take a defensive player and it blows up everybody's board, right? So there's not much value in trying to predict what's going to happen because you're probably going to be wrong. The way people should do mock drafts is tell us who they believe these teams should take. Okay. And uh, then, yeah. then you're, then you're, then you're offering what your insights, your ex- expertise. And a lot of people who do mock drafts, uh, do really, really good work and do work really hard at it and spend, you know, a lot of time on it and have insights and they should, they should tell us how the draft should go and why each team should take this player and not that player. And then if, it ends up not happening. You didn't guess wrong. You offered 
an explanation of why it should have gone a different way. I, yeah, I like that idea a lot, Jim, because I do think like we have all we have all been in the information gathering business here for a long time. And you can see how manipulative, how bald faced lying some of these sources can be going into the draft, trying to influence a player to rise, to fall, trying to kind of gauge the rest of the market. Um, and and you know, look there are guys, there are people who do it really well um, and who wade through it very well and, and, and can rise above some of the games that are played, but it really does muddy the waters a lot. And I do think to your point, um, I, I do think that trying to package a mock draft as this is what's going to happen is a fool's errand. Like it is going, like it is destined to fail. And so you are much probably better just like finding your players, uh, you really being con- convicted on them and, and just saying, this is who should happen, who should go. And then you look back in three years and see if you were right or not about that. The pro- the problem is, as you know, Jim, with that approach is that it is a lot of work to oh, yeah. really research all of these players to really kind of get to know them. And there are some guys who do it fantastic. They do an amazing job with it. McShay, you know, Kuiper, our guy, Dan Brugge, like, there's a lot of guys who do it, but it is, it's really hard to do. And so, um, so trying to make that happen, it, it, it's a lot of work, but, uh, but I, I do tend to agree with you that, that would probably be the best approach if if you could put in that work and say, here's who I think should go where. Um, that makes it a little less of guessing what a team is going to do and more uh, evaluating their needs versus the 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 supply of players available at that position. I spent years covering the Vikings. I spent years as kind of our NFL at large writer, and I did a lot of mock drafts and uh, the worst mock draft I ever produced was the one that was the best researched. Uh, mm-hmm. The one where I talked, I actually had a Super Bowl winning general manager tell me what his mock draft was. I had a couple other general managers weigh in. The more information I got, the wronger, <laughs> wronger. <laughs> uh, let's say that's pretend this word. The the worse my predictions were because they're all gaming each other too. And I don't know if the people I talked to were playing me or if they really believed what they told me and, and it just didn't work out that way. But you know, there's no, it's, it's almost like there's no good information. You just have to kind of take your own shot. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and a lot of it is guessing and, and the, like you said at the start, a lot of it is subject to the wing, the whims of the draft. And uh, yeah, if one thing goes differently, that changes your entire board and a, a team could reasonably say, well, we didn't think, you know, this player, player X was going to be there at four because we figured it was going at two and that changed. And then it, then there was a cascading effect down the rest of the board. So uh, it's just ripe for, for error is, is what it is. And and then that bring opens you up to ridicule and that's always fun. So it's a good time. Uh, Let's talk, let's save our Kirk Cousins future of the Viking quarterback position for a later show and we can really dive deeply into it. Uh, we have many other things to talk about today. Uh, I do believe that it's it's a fact that the Vikings were very interested in Anthony Richardson. Uh, they didn't get him, so they went with plan B. Uh, 
the interesting thing is the I think the Vikings got better yesterday. Again, we're talking on Friday morning before the second and third rounds here. Uh, I think the Vikings got better yesterday. I think the Lions squandered a chance to get better. I think the Packers didn't do anything that really wowed me. I think the Bears are slowly building a good team but aren't there yet. Uh, so I think the Vikings might have increased the gap between them and the rest of the division yesterday. The problem from a grander perspective is I think the Philadelphia Eagles, already the best team in the NFC, got a lot better yesterday. Yeah, I mean, they got, you know, you look at, I always, I do this a lot in terms of, you know, I, I certainly am no expert in the players in, in, in how these things fall, but I, I generally, when I'm trying to handicap how a draft went, how a first round went in the early days of it, I look at the really good franchises with a history of evaluating like this. And I look at, you know, like the Baltimore Ravens, um, certainly now the Eagles, I think are one of the smartest run organizations and front offices in the league. And so for them to, to decide to take the chance a little bit on Jalen Carter after he fell um, a few spots and landed at nine, and then they went with Nolan Smith, the other Georgia defensive guy. Now I think they have four Georgia Yep. Uh, defenders on their team from the last two drafts and you're drafting from like one of the historically great defenses the the college football has ever seen and that's probably a pretty good idea and so um, you look at those at those players and what they're doing uh, then they sign Jalen Hurts the extension they, they've got all sorts of of weapons on offense yeah if you're trying to measure yourself against that team it's a really big mountain to climb right now they seem to have talent everywhere and they just absolutely loaded up on it in the first round of this draft no doubt and you know the lions they're going to be the easy fashionable pick to make a big jump next year they won nine games last year if they make any kind of a jump and they're in the playoffs and competing for a division title uh they had the 12th pick in the draft and they took kind of a third down back Jameer Gibbs. Uh, <clears throat> their next pick, they took an inside linebacker from Iowa. Uh, I just can't. And listen, either of these guys could end up being really good players. Uh, we admit that nobody can really predict the future. But for a team that might be on the cusp of being really good to take essentially role players with the 12th and the 18th picks in the draft, I just think they did the rest of the division a great favor. Well, yeah, I mean, on on the surface, absolutely. Um, it, it doesn't seem to sort of make sense because both of those positions, let, let, let's even just take the player out of it right now, Jim. Let's just right. look at running back and inside linebacker. Those historically, at least in, in these modern times, these last five or six years, as teams have been rebuilding their rosters and reconfiguring, uh, running back and inside linebacker are usually players who can be had second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round, and you can get starters there and and they can get good players um, that that you can slide in. And so generally, I think the conventional wisdom is you look when you're in the first round, especially middle to the, to, to the upper end of the first round, man, look at the premium positions, cornerback pass rusher uh you know, run stop in defensive tackle like those types of players are harder to find later in the draft so for the lions to go with these two guys um and and at these two positions 
that are relatively less valued in the NFL these days, uh, that must, that just tells me that they just must really love these players. And um, I don't know if they're going to be great, if they're going to be terrible, but yeah, when you look at it, you say it, gosh, isn't there, couldn't you have grabbed a, a third down back or a, you know, a multi-purpose back later in, uh, in the draft and, and addressed a, 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 a harder to fill position. Um, they clearly felt, no, I think they said goodbye to Jamal Williams. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So they, they may, they may have a need for, for running back and, and for inside linebacker as well. But these guys, when you pick guys like that, like the lions did in the first round, I feel like it increases the pressure on them that they better be really, really good because um, you're going a little bit outside the box in making these selections. And so uh, they, you, you just have to hit on them uh, when you're going a little bit more of the non-conventional route. And that's what the lions did, not just with their one first, second, first, first round pick, but their second one as well. And so they recently spent a high draft pick on Deandre Swift, who is a talented player, but hasn't been able to stay on the field or be as productive as they want. They just went out and got David Montgomery in free agency. uh, And now they've spent, a tw- the 12th pick in the draft on a guy who profiles as a third down back. I mean, and then they take an inside linebacker. These are people who might not play three downs, you know? And yeah. I, I just think that I just think let's listen. Sometimes NFL teams make really stupid mistakes and this, these might be those, um, you know, I think the bears continue to build uh, the Packers, you know, they, t- they take uh, a defensive end from Iowa. Ben Ness, he looks like a, he looks like a pretty good player. Uh, but it, it doesn't feel like it's transformative at all. Uh, I just think if you're the team that wins 13 games in the, and runs away with the division and you have the best draft, that that's a pretty good sign. Yeah. I mean, I think the Vikings should feel pretty good about this. Um, and, and, you know, certainly adding another weapon. Um, I, I, I think that if you look at all the players who were drafted in the division last night, um, you could say that Jordan Addison has the chance to be the most impactful right away and, and maybe has the highest ceiling of any of these guys. Now, you know, Darnell Wright for the bears, like a really good tackle that, that would be very helpful for Justin Fields. And, um, but certainly if Addison is as electric as the Vikings believe that he is, he could come in right away and make an impact and 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 really help i think that from the perspective of quasi adolfo mensa and kevin o'connell they probably they need him to do that as well especially when you are uh you know you similar we talk about what the lions did or didn't do the the vikings chose jordan addison ahead of you know deontay banks ahead of a couple of other um, defensive players who who may have helped them on a defense that is absolutely starved for secondary help and that has like you know, you have a Caleb Elevins, you have Andrew Booth who are, have you know, uh, injury histories. Those are basically the the only cornerbacks that you have on the roster, um, and you don't Plus have a Murph. pick in this. And yeah, Murphy yeah. should be a key player. Well, and Murphy, yes, yeah. uh, sorry, and Murphy. But then you don't have, you don't have a pick in the second round either. So, yep. um, so. as good of a pick as I, and I I do, I like the Addison pick. There is some risk in leaving the defense untended to 
for what could be a very long time here um, until you pick again. And so they have to roll the dice a little bit that way. But yes, I think that we could look back on this and it could be similar to the Jordan Jefferson draft where um, Jefferson went after a couple of other receivers and ended up being a superstar. And if Addison can even come, not even, he doesn't have to be just Justin Jefferson, but he has, if he can be a really, really good player right away, I think there's going to be a lot of teams, including uh, some in the division here that say, Ooh, maybe we made a mistake and, and, and should have gone that route. And I think if you stuck these guys with truth serum, what they'd tell you is, uh, yeah, we want to draft some defensive players. We still need help in the defense. But they, I think they feel like Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth, and Brian Flores are, are their first-round draft picks going into next year. Well, they better be right. Um, yep. You know, I do I, – I think also, too, Jim, an important part of context, I heard that they really liked that Kalijah Kansi from mm-hmm. Pittsburgh – um, so had he gotten to 23, he went to the Buccaneers at 19, had he gotten to 23, that would have been an interesting, uh, uh, choice for them and, yep. and, and just see like, Hey, would they have gone with Cansey instead of Addison, just given what they thought of him as a player entirely possible. So, I mean, they certainly were evaluating defensive players and they, there were some players on this board that they really liked. And I think that, if Cansey was there at 23, they may have had a really hard time passing him up in favor of Addison. Maybe they would have, but I just know that I had heard leading into it that they were really high on on that guy, and then he just won a couple of picks early. So maybe you know that made the decision for them. Um, but yeah, certainly they. It, it's not that they were going into this blind and not understanding that uh, that they do need defensive help. I think your point about Brian Flores, I think your point about seeing and 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 some of these guys coming back from injuries is is well founded, but it's also risky because you have now seen some guys, particularly uh, your cornerbacks, deal with a with a couple of injuries in the in in their first season, and does that set up for more of that down the down the line? But uh, Brian Flores has his work cut out for him right now. There's no question about it. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. Um, it's gonna be man, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, I I'm one of those many people who kind of hates the draft and kind of mm-hmm. hates all the mock drafts and kind of hates the process and the fact that we got to watch Goodell grope every player who comes on stage. There's so many things I hate about it. Uh, it feels so overblown. But then they make a pick like this, and I, I'm just intrigued. You know, the actual the actual pick. You know, get rid of all the BS and just what they actually did last night is fascinating in so many ways. And uh, we'll break down, you know, we'll break down the receiving position, the defensive backs, everything else here as we go forward. We do appreciate you listening. Once again, thanks to Aquarius Home Services. Thanks to TSR Injury Law and Star Bank. Any final thought for us, John? Yeah, no, I I, I would I would agree with you, Jim, in terms of like, now, first of all, I growing up, I was the biggest draft geek ever. Like I would watch it all weekend long. I would write down all the picks. I would look at everything. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that part of it. Uh, as I've gotten older, uh, I've had a little bit less patience for some of the ridiculousness that surrounds it. But when we just get down to the players that are picked, how they forecast into a team, how they fit, what are some of the other players that were available around that time that the uh, that the, the Vikings pass on? I love really diving into that and really kind of trying to understand 
the thinking behind it, what what went into each pick and all these things. And I will add fully admit to Jim that um, when they pick a glamour position guy um, that that gets me going a little bit more like I, I yep. like when a receiver comes in um, and you can kind of be hypnotized right away by some of the talent that they have and and see how they fit that way as a, at a skill position versus if they would have taken a defensive tackle or a guard or or something like that which you know maybe could be greater needs you could argue so um so this is going to be fun i i think that addison is a is a megawatt personality star player type type of a of a of a of a go for. And so I, I really like that. And, um, and it'll be great to just kind of get him in here and really see if he's ready for the prime time or if it's going to take a little time for him to develop. Thanks again to Brandon Morton and check out the John Krasinski show for year end Timberwolves analysis. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.